Sirius XM Sports Podcasts presents Mad Dog's Daily Bite with Christopher Russo. And good afternoon, everybody! Radio Hall of Fame for yours truly. You know, long time run at the Radio Hall of Fame number one, but a, you know, a long career where, you know, I can remember that first time I got in the car uh, an AMC Gremlin in uh, February of 1983 to drive down to Jacksonville, Florida uh, to, um, you know, to start a job with the Jacksonville Suns baseball team in Jacksonville, Florida. And uh, although I sold for the first six weeks, the idea was to get on the air uh, following that as the play-by-play guy, because at that time I wanted to be the Vin Scully. I was 23 years of age. I wanted to be the Vin Scully of uh, of baseball announcers. That job never materialized. That's the first uh, step of the way where God was looking over my shoulder because the day after I got fired, uh, after being there for six weeks selling advertising for the AA Suns, I walked into a radio station. And when I walked into the radio station, it was a dawn to dusk radio station, WEXI 1280 in Jacksonville, Florida. I walked in and the two bosses, Wayne Mashburn and uh, Pat Hayes, I don't know if they're still with us today. I know Wayne probably isn't. Pat was probably about 40 at the time. So, you know, he wouldn't probably be either. But I walked in there and uh, I told him who I was and I had been selling advertising for the Jacksonville Suns. And I said, well, we got a spot. Why don't you come here and work? Because I had just gotten fired. And so that was on a third. Thursday or Friday of St. Patty's weekend, and I came back about um, four days later to start, and the first day I started, guess what? The sports guy quit. Signed two. So the sports guy quit. He took the job as the play-by-play voice of the NASL Washington soccer team. And so they had an opening where they did morning sports and uh, a weekend sports talk show with the boss's son who loved pro wrestling on a dawn of dust station. And this is in March. So fortunately, uh, the sports talk, I lasted a little longer at night on the weekends uh, based on the idea that uh, you were in a situation where when you think about it, it was stayed lighter at night. So I was able to you know, do more of the sports talk. So I did the sports talk and I did the morning sports uh, in the mornings. Uh, and I did that for a year, year and about a year. And, you know, I learned how to do a sports talk, two incoming phone lines, not a ton of guests, Jacksonville, Florida. I lived about a half a mile from where the radio station was. It was in an old shopping mall. Uh, and I made 120 bucks a week. And I got paid for the advertising, for selling it, not so much for being on the air. I had a little advertising package of 30-second spots uh, at, I believe, the spots, it was $240. So how would I say $38 a spot or nine? No, it was eight bucks a spot on 30 of them. So you can buy a monthly radio package of 30 spots, eight bucks a commercial. Well, think about that in 1983. Think about it. Eight bucks a spot? Geez, on a dawn of dust station on 1280 AM. I must have done something right because uh, by the time the winter came around, I was in a situation where I needed to find something to work. The sports talk, which I did five to eight, uh, on um, I did it on Friday nights and Saturday mornings, I believe. Well, anyway, when I did it, um, you know, it got it got dark out. So I once the winter came around, I was out, and I did it for about seven months. Unfortunately, Jay Solomon hired me and he was a guy who bought the advertising and he did his own shows and he also did Jacksonville University basketball, hence Bob Wenzel. 
And so as a result of that, he needed a guy to help him fill in and do all the other sports when he was on a row with Jacksonville basketball. So when he went to do a JU game, he needed a guy to host a sports show. It was on WOKV, Radio 610. It may have been Radio 570. I think it was 610 in, in Jacksonville. So Jay hired me also to sell, not pay me for being on the air. Well, to make a long story short, um, you know, that went well for a while. But Jay, before Christmas of 1983, uh, I was in Jacksonville for nine months, said, you know, listen, I can't pay any more money. So when you go home, you might as well not come back. I said, really? He took me out to a Denny's. I said, oh, you know, and I didn't, I came home for Christmas, didn't think too much. I obviously thought about it, didn't tell my parents and flew back down to Jackson, uh, Jacksonville to finish up with Jay Solomon because I had nowhere else to go. Larry Kahn comes through, producer of a radio station uh, in Orlando of the Gene Burns Show. He was the program director, did 9 to 12, great talk show host. And Byrne, and uh, Larry said, we're looking for a sports guy. I went to college with him, and Larry said, you know, send me a tape and get down here. So I sent him a tape. Jacksonville, Orlando is only about two hours. Sent him a tape, and they called me and said, can you come down here on a Sunday night? This is in probably March of 84. Can you come down here on Sunday night? To, to a test show. So obviously, I, you know, I'm in Jacksonville. I have no money. My parents are helping me, but I have no money. I lived in off the, I lived off a, 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 a house with just TV, no TV, just a bed and a bathroom. I said, sure. I stole that AMC ground, the 92,000 miles on it. So I went down to Orlando and I did a show on a Sunday night. I did a show. It was probably 8 to 10. It may have been 6 to 8, but I think it was 8 to 10. I did not get a call. Did not get a call. But I got a call when I was done by Jim Phillips, who just retired, who was the news director. And Jim told me, he says, Chris, you know, we're going to be talking to you again. Just make sure you give us some time checks and do the weather once in a while, and we'll be getting to you. I do this show, thanks to Larry Kahn, who set it up, went back to Jacksonville. They called me up probably a week or two later, and I left Jacksonville to got the job in Orlando. God looking, at me, looking after me again. I get to Orlando. This is probably March of 84. They paid me for the first time in a year. I got paid for being on the air and not for selling. They gave me, I believe it was 13000 This is in 84, March. I believe they paid me 13000 and they paid me... Uh, I got extra money for endorsements. And, you know, if I endorsed a particular company who bought it because of me. And so I did this, I did PM Orlando on a good station, WKIS News Talk 74. I did PM Orlando, and I did it from 4 to 6 at night on PM Orlando. I did the updates, 415, 445, 515, 545, and then I did 6 to 8. So here it is. I'm 24 years of age. And I'm doing a daily sports talk program in Orlando, Florida on a good station. The GM put Bob Trumpy on the air at CKY in Cincinnati. So it had a history of sports. So I did that for a couple of years. I had a good run with it. I went to the Rose when he broke the hit record in Riverfront. I've told you some of these stories. And lo and behold, the GM left, got fired. Susquehanna Broadcasting owned it. And they hired another GM who didn't believe in sports. And he moved me to weekends. After two and a half, it was about, he moved me to weekends probably in March of 86, so about two years later. He moved me to weekends. The fans got so upset, they threw me a roast. And the newspaper, the Orlando Sentinel, wrote a big, you know, it was a big, it was a big local story. How do not? We got a local sports show and you move them in the weekends. What are you doing that for? Brian Schmitz wrote the story. Not Larry Gass, Brian Schmitz. So I did the weekends, but I was in deathly trouble. 
I come in, I do a weekend show, nobody listened. It was a disaster. It was a tough stretch, but I knew I had to deal with it. Pat Williams, very, very important. Pat Williams, huge. The old Orlando general manager, because he got his team and he promoted that team for eight months. So I had something to cover. I had somebody to talk to, put him on the air. And the last show I ever did in Orlando before I got the job in New York was from Manny's Sunshine State Ford across the street on 1792 in Orlando, Florida, 7 to 9 o'clock, a farewell show. And you know what you know my first guest was? The John Feinstein book, Season on the Brink. But Pat came by, the mayor of Orlando came by, he gave me the he gave me the the Central Florida the um, he gave me you know what he gave me he gave me a replica of the flag that an Apollo mission put on the moon. He framed it. Anyway, I ended up in New York. There was an ad in broadcasting magazine that said if you talk like a New York sports talk show host and you know the New York sports, send tape and resume to Rick Scalar. He was a consultant. Scalar promoted the first Beatles tour at Shea in 65 and put Howard Cosell on the air. So I've come up to New York in February of 87 for the for a four or five day period. I do some shows. I do this. I do that. I fly back to Orlando not knowing what's going on. Three weeks later, Scalar calls me up. I didn't know who he was. Calls me up. I was in Orlando at the time. I was at the radio station. Calls me up and, you know, how are you? You know, if you are, if you're the guy, could you come up here immediately and give me all those sort of things? And on the spot, offers me $54,000. I was making thirteen, maybe eighteen at this point. I probably got it right. Eighteen. Fifty-four grand. This is in February of 1987. And I think he gave me uh, a moving st- stipend, I believe. 54000 for a young kid like that, 26 years of age. I got in the AMC Gremlin. No, by this time I had a Honda Civic. My father bought me a Honda Civic when I got out of Jacksonville. I got the Honda Civic and I drove back to New York and I started a week or so later. Matter of fact, you know when the first show I ever did on WMCA was? The day after Al Campanis told Ted Koppel, Look it up about the Dodgers. I was on the next day. Next day. That was a Saturday in, I don't know, middle of, it was before opening day. So it was March of 87. That's when I started on WMCA. Ended up at WFAN two years later. Imus, morning, uh, uh, helped him with the morning sports. Pete Franklin has a contractual problem after they brought him in from Cleveland. Had some health issues. Obviously, then you know the story from there. They called my old partner, Mike Francesa. He said, yeah, I want to do afternoon drive. Yeah, fine, Mike, but you're doing with a partner. What? They talked to me. I had played basketball in the middle of Manhattan that day with Fred Leinfuss, my old buddy from Darrell School in New Lebanon. Mark Mason, the general, the program director, calls me up, and Mark Mason says, you know, we'd like to offer you the afternoon drive show. They gave me, I took it. I had the same reaction Mike did. Really? I, got a, I thought I wanted to do it by myself. The both of us did it. The first deal they gave me was three years they gave me 150000 a year. One, I, they probably gave me, and I got, and if I had good ratings, top four in the market, I got a bonus. That was in the Labor Day of 1989. So you don't think God was looking after, out after me? Think about it. I started in Jacksonville in March, in Jan- February of 83. I got fired four times. I got, I left, I got, I left the, okay, I left the first station. Jay Solomon fired me, theoretically. 
I went to Orlando. They moved me to weekends. You can call that a firing. And then I went to MCA, and MCA moved me out of there because they sold to an oil Christian station. So I had to leave F- uh, MCA, but that's where FAN came in. Jeff Smullyan owned the station, and he's the one that it was instrumental in putting me on the air. And yes, in this Hall of Fame class, he's part of it too. How about that? And I'll give you something else. You know, the first show I ever did at FAN was a December night in 88. Okay? You know, the first guest I had on on a Saturday night was Susan Waldman. <coughs> Susan also in this Radio Hall of Fame class in 2022. So I started with Mike, 89. 19 years later, I leave. <laughs> Mr. Carmerson gives me this, this opportunity at Sirius. Here I am at Sirius. And then since January, you talk about luck, Stephen A. You know, I can go on and on. How lucky have I been in the last six months at 63 years old, an old white guy talking sports? Think about it. And then they call me, and I had been shunned from that Hall of Fame for a while, which bothered me. I'm not going to deny it. You know about Stern? Bothered me. My old partner got in. Bothered me. But. They called me last Thursday, Steve Cohen did, and I had just lost a brutal tennis match. If he had called me at 6'10", I would have played great at the Italian Center. I played lousy. He called me on the Thursday night and said, I got good news for you at 8.20. So I have hit on this for nine days. You don't think I was looking forward to their public announcement? I got an ego. You don't think I was looking forward to their public announcement at 8 o'clock today, this morning? So WEXI on a Saturday morning, first ever show, I believe it was 10 to 1, may have been 8 to 11, but I believe it was 10 to 1, and that would have been March, early March, no, late March of 1983. I remember that was the first year because the Lakers got swept by Philadelphia, and the boss's son, who was with me on the air every day, Loved the Lakers, was a pro wrestling fan, loved the Lakers, and was all upset that they got swept by Philly. That time, wow. So that's 17 plus 22. That is 39 years I have been talking on the radio. And all the other stuff, you know, I was fortunate to do a couple of books. Uh, I was fortunate enough to, um, you know, certainly do some sports channel stuff a long time ago. Fortunate enough with Letterman, 37 times. Fortunate enough with that. Very fortunate. You got to be blessed. That's all there is to it. Blessed. But this is the home. Radio is the home. You can tour that other stuff. is fun. Love doing it. It's a new venue. Something different. But the radio is the home. I remember my father came down with my mother early on in Jacksonville. And on a Saturday afternoon, my father told my mother, look at this. We have a radio celebrity on our hands. He sensed it then. He sensed it then. I can thank a million people. My old partner, I got to thank. I can thank a million people. But let's not go too maudlin. And I know this is going to be Kiss Chris Russo's ass day. So I'm going to have to live with it. But, you know, I try to get a job all over the place right out of college. And I went to the baseball winter meetings that year in Hawaii. December of 82. I graduated the previous May. December of 82. And I remember I was running around the Sheridan Waikiki 
trying to bounce around and talk to all these double-A baseball guys who own these teams to get a job as a play-by-play guy in a Major League Baseball team. And the guy that hired me was Louis Leopolis, the general manager of the Jacksonville Suns, and his son, his uh, the GM was Bobby Bragan Jr., whose father managed the Braves in the late 50s. And then I got fired after six weeks, the best thing ever happened to me, and I run into Pat Hayes and Wayne Mashburn. And because it was such a cruddy little radio station, 1280 AM, and nobody heard me, but because it was such a cruddy little radio station, they put a 22, 23-year-old kid who had no experience, on a commercial experience, on the air. So when kids ask me, you know, what's the best, how do you do this? You, if you want it badly enough, I never got married until I was 35 years of age. I didn't have a kid until I was 39. If, if well, I, my wife had her first child, 39. December of 98, I was 39. If you want to do this in my day, you had to do it the hard way. You had to take your lumps, you had to have belief, and you had to have somebody upstairs looking after you. Somebody has to like you upstairs. God did. But you can say anything you want. The bottom line about doing this, Joe, and doing radio, you have to have a connection with the fans. That is what this is all about. If you don't have a connection with the fans, the people who call up, the people who you meet in the street, the people who you run into at the barbershop, at the bank, at the ballpark, If you don't have that, and I go back a long way because I had even a small connection in Jacksonville with the fans, even though it was a small little station. If you don't have a connection with the fans, you, you can't do it. You have to be able to talk with the sports fan. I was thinking about this this morning. I did a contest in Jacksonville on Saturday mornings, Stump the host, so to speak. So if you called up and asked me a question and I didn't know the answer and I had no idea, I would take you out to lunch. This is the summer of 83. So one time, a kid called up. His name was John Davis. Lived in a, I don't know, he lived in the other, Jacksonville. He lived in the other side of the tracks. Nicest kid in the world. He was 15 years old. And I developed a relationship with this. Uh, it'd be amazing if he called today or this week. But I, I had a relationship with this kid for about six months where, you know, he's a 15-year-old kid, African-American kid. And, I, and he was a tremendous sports fan. And I know he joined the Air Force. And I never, I lost track with him. But that is the sort of thing you have to do with your fan base. You have to become one of them. And that is the key to becoming a good talk show host. Your bond with your audience. In my case, the audience is interactive. They're here calling. Hayden, Jai, you name it. I go way, way, Vinny and Queens from way, way back. They're interact. they're part of the family. And if you can have that relationship with that audience in any town you're in, you can be a talk show host. Got to have a little luck. 
You got to find a general manager who believes in you. You got to find your Larry Kahn's of the world. He's the guy that brought me to Orlando. You got to find your Pat Hayes's of the world. You got to find the Rick Scalars of the world who passed away. He was a runner and passed away at, uh, um, at St. Roosevelt Hospital because he had a foot issue and he had a heart attack on the table. Rick Scalar. You have to find guys like that. But if you're good and you believe and you're willing to put it on the line and not, you know, you can't have five kids when you're 24 years of age being in a radio. It's impossible. Can't do it. You got to put food on the table. But if you put that aside and understand what it takes and you love doing it, you will be successful. So when I go to uh, Chicago there on November 1st, I will tell that in a short bridge firm, for, for a form, I will do something like that as a speech. And I've thought about this a lot too, is that a lot in the, remember I was an only child and, you know, I had plenty of sp- friends who were sports fans, but who did I talk to growing up as a little kid? Myself. I didn't have an older brother, younger brother, or sister who loved sports. Even my father was, he liked the Yankees, Tamagio. But it was myself. And God blessed me with one other thing. A memory. I remember where I was watching the ice bowl. I remember where I was watching the Red Sox and Cardinals in game seven of the 67 World Series on my little red Schwinn bike. On a transistor radio. I remember where I was when I saw, um, somehow, some way, when I saw Meredith throw that interception in the end zone in 66 when Tom Brown picked it off at 34-27 Packers. Super Bowl one. I remember it. Remember it. I remember, you know, the Knicks beating the Lakers in 69. Remember it. I remember those Red Wings and the Canadiens and Ivan Conway. Remember it. If you do that and you love it, you can do it. Want more Chris Russo? Listen to Mad Dog Unleashed weekdays from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern on Mad Dog Sports Radio, Sirius XM Channel 82. 